0: Welcome to Magnified Abundance, the podcast dedicated to exploring the power of a growth mindset for business professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Izzy Nally, a business growth strategist and a hypnotherapist, and I'm thrilled to be your guide on this journey of discovery, learning, and growth. Every week, I bring you inspiring, insightful interviews with successful business owners, professionals, and entrepreneurs as they share their stories of mindset shifts that have led to their success. Together, we'll explore what it takes to cultivate an abundant mindset, overcome the limiting beliefs, and achieve greater prosperity in both business and life. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired as we magnify abundance and achieve true success together. Let's get started. All right. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. So tell us more about you.
1: Well, good morning. <laughs> so excited to be here. Okay, so a little bit about what I do. So I am multi-passionate entrepreneur. So I have three different companies from event planning, which is kind of where I started my entrepreneur journey, into speaking, business strategy for entrepreneurs. And then I have a luxury retreat for female entrepreneurs. So they all kind of evolved and now like really complement each other, which is really neat. I'm a mom and a bonus mom to three teenagers. So we have 13, 13, and 15 live in Oklahoma in a small town on some acreage and have big dreams and just kind of continue to pursue them so that's a little bit about me awesome I love that you say that
0: three businesses and they all complement each other did they all happen at the same time or did they kind of stair stack
1: Okay. So it was a evolution (laughs) for sure. So funny story. I used to work in divorce. So for seven years, I actually worked as a paralegal and office manager for my divorce attorney. So I was divorced really young, married really young. I was a teen mom. And so the day my divorce was final, she offered me a job. And so I worked for her for seven years. And on the way back from my honeymoon to my husband, Preston, I said, I need something different. Like it's just draining. It's not my passion. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I'm not really, I never really knew what to pursue. I'd just been a mom, you know, for all these years. And I had struggled going through college while having a, a young baby and still working full time. And I started listening to what people were asking for me. And the whole time I was planning my wedding, the vendors, the venue, they were like, can we clone you? Like, can every bride be like you? Like, you should totally be a wedding planner. So literally, I came back from my honeymoon October 7th. And by the end of November, I launched my event company and worked full-time while building that business for two years before I went full-time. So that was the first one. And if you want me to keep digging deeper, I can. Yeah, but. keep digging. <laughs> okay. So then over the next couple of years... I had to kind of work through finances and being married and blending families. And I really wanted to go full-time because I was just burnt out. I was exhausted. I was working full-time, taking care of a family, and then working 15-hour wedding days on the weekends and then just like repeating. And so we realized, okay, we've got to get rid of our debt. We've got to get rid of anything that's extra. So that way, when I make the transition full-time, I don't have like all of that extra weight on us. And so that was a big priority. And when we accomplished that and I went full-time into my business, then shortly after that, the pandemic hits. Right. And so as an event planner, like everything came to a screeching halt because we weren't doing events. So I had to pivot and I had to get creative while also homeschooling, like everything, you know, everything shifted. It pushed us. Yeah, it was crazy. So I started really pushing like my I did Arbon since Leo was a baby. So I pushed that and did like some health challenges. And then I realized I was like, I'm really loving this coaching realm, not necessarily in the health aspect, but just like mentoring women. And my I stepped up as a leader and did some trainings and some I did a positivity movement in my women's group, like just a bunch okay. of different things. And people were coming to me watching that I like sold some t-shirts and then I was doing this health and wellness and then I was mentoring and like they were coming to me for business advice on how to pivot or like what other streams of revenue they could bring in. And so then I like behind the scenes started coaching in 2020. And now I do that full time. I speak on stages. I'm a business strategist. I take women on international and domestic retreats. And I started doing the retreats because all of my Friends in the wedding industry were drowning just like I was. And so I launched that in 2019 and actually had to pivot it to from May 2020 to September 2020. So that was my first retreat and that was pre-COVID, right? Like the thought and the origin of it, but now it's just been like beautiful. I get to help other people plan retreats, grow their businesses. I get to be present with my kids. I take very few events now that make me work on the weekends and yeah, just this beautiful I love evolution of what I get to do. Yeah. And I, I love hearing
0: such an organic process because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners really feel like they're stuck and they're pushing all the time. And then there are this group that allow the organic to just flow. And I think it really takes a certain type of person to be able to hear the needs as they pop up and just go with the needs that are being presented. How do you feel about that? That going with the flow versus the goal setting and the pushing, like how much did you have of each?
1: So it's hard because it's, you know, such so many years that it's like, oh wait, I forgot to tell her that. But I had suffered a pretty significant loss in 2015. My baby sister was a passenger in her friend's car. That was texting and driving. They ran a stop sign and she passed away. And so this was around the time that I was planning my wedding, right? And I have this five-year-old daughter of mine and my two bonus kids who are very close to her auntie. And I had like this realization through some of that grief process and having such a significant like thing that your sister would be involved in, like my wedding, right? So shortly after that, I had this realization that life was too short. And that was that, that was that moment for me where I was like, I'm dreading my job. I'm dreading showing up. I don't want to be the one that sees her kids two hours a night. Like I wanted to be the one that took Leah to school, picked her up, went to the field trips. Like that was just really important to me because there was this moment of like, I'm not always promised tomorrow and I don't want to live like in a fear base, but I want to make the most of my life. And I wanted the complete opposite. So when I would say, oh yeah, like I do divorce by day and weddings by night, like they would just laugh and like, my clients would be like, okay, like funny. full circle. But for me, there became a part with COVID that surrender was my word for mm-hmm. that year. And that's because I literally was at a place where as a type A Enneagram three achiever, okay, on the other side of the screen. I'm right there with you. Yeah. yeah like I... <laughs> had the awards for this company and all these amazing businesses you know clients just flowing in and like all of a sudden it was like and all I could do was surrender and not the way that I had seen surrender in the past was that it meant I did nothing and when I redefined the way surrender was that I do and trust and, but release the outcome. That's where I saw that expansion happen. I read the book, Super Attractor by Gabrielle Bernstein during COVID. And it's like literally sitting right here and I've probably, anytime I feel misaligned, I literally just like pick it up and I start reading and it's almost like it's what I needed in that moment. But that was the biggest thing for me. was just like, I feel people asking me for this. What's the worst that's going to happen? And if I can accept that, then why not take that next step and i think that's why i've seen growth and that's why i've seen like f- i i feel fulfilled i'm still excited about what's to come but like even in this moment like i'm very happy with what i get to do and i think it's because i got out of my own way and just trusted yeah. that
0: that's so beautiful and i th- i it's so true i was actually writing on this last night was is that surrender manifestation because you do you have to be in this state of optimism and belief and hope, and you still have your goals, but as you said it perfectly, you don't have to be attached to the way that it manifests itself.
1: Well, and knowing that when things don't work out, that it's a gift, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you, I mean, it may not reveal itself yet. And like, that's so hard for a lot of my clients too. Like when they do Get a hard rejection or, or even for myself, like when things don't go like, oh my gosh, I applied for that and I I thought I was gonna get it, it felt so line, and then like you're in this devastation mode. I really have to make myself say, like, yeah, this might be really shitty in this moment, but like I know that there's gonna be growth or a gift from it because if I look at what history's taught me, you know, it's it, the loss of my sister, I did turn it into something beautiful. And now I get to share her name. You know, I get to talk about Morgan and some, you know, her, her legacy is still living on even through me because I knew she would want me to be happy and pursue more. So yeah, it's pretty challenging. <laughs> but it is. We'll get over that. I agree. You know? Yeah, we can definitely,
0: and, and I can totally relate. I've, I've lost someone very close to me as well. And you do you 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 have to find a way to use it as a motivation, mm-hmm. so that you don't get stuck. And I think that's it's beautiful. Okay,
1: like for us to feel. Because when I say that to sometimes they're like, "But I just want to feel angry. Like I just want to feel mad." Mm-hmm. Or like, "Yes, like I'm and not." You can have that too. <laughs> you, yeah, I'm not telling you not to feel it. I'm just saying that we can't stay there. It yeah. doesn't serve us in the bigger mission and of our lives if we just stay stuck there. We got to got to get through it eventually and then try to use it for the better good, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because everything that's around us, everything that's around us can either be our fuel or it can just be a thing. And I think so many of us, as you mentioned, being a young mom, you know, having a child, like I can relate, I'm taking my children to college with me and, and trying to figure that out. And then in the midst of all of that, you know, being divorced and then getting remarried. And all of that creates a lot of chaos in our life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have to learn how to utilize some aspects of the chaos for fuel. And then we have to also, there's some parts that we just have to ignore and push past as well. Right. Now, as you mentioned, when you were going from full-time job, and then you had your, you know, the side hustle on the side, You were transitioning into full-time in your own business, that first initial jump. You mentioned having to get your finances in in line, getting, clearing the the debt so that you could actually make that happen. Tell us a little bit more of that strategy, because I find that's a really hard jump for so many business owners.
1: So I got married to my husband, Preston, and he had had a previous marriage and two kiddos. And then I had bought this home that I'm in now when I was 21 next door to my dad. And so I was a a young mom with a mortgage, right. And a car payment, but I had always grown up with very different. Me and my husband grew up with very different lifestyles. So my dad was a single parent of two daughters. He was a self-employed so that his job would serve his life. And I didn't realize this for so many years that like a lot of what I teach him do now is because he modeled it, which was so funny. Like he was just there. Like he, even if sometimes he had to attend a field trip with a laptop, like he was just there, you know, he was a very present dad. And so I really wanted to model that with my kids, but I grew up with, uh, you know, until I was older, money wasn't easy for him as a single dad. And we didn't have like, we never really wanted, I would say, but like didn't have the nicest clothes like the friends did or you know like it just it was a Mm -hmm. little bit different as a young girl like our friends would have like all the name brand clothing and you know it just wasn't that way in our household we just didn't have that that means but my husband was adopted actually and his parents were older so they were almost 50 when they adopted him and so they were all their other kids were grown he was the baby they had you know we camped in a two-man tent with three of us and they camped in a camper and You know, just, we had very different lifestyles and my dad was very much a memory maker. So what I value is like hiking and camping and like Mm -hmm. quality time, but because they were older and they'd kind of raised their kids, his was more like nice clothes and shopping and like our, our lifestyles were just very different. So when we got married, he brought some debt along with him from some of him and his ex wife's habits, right. And their values were different. And so it came together when we got married, that was one friction in our relationship because I was like, whoa, like what is all of this that is coming? But we were in it together. And I knew that I wanted to have this man as my husband and I wanted us to have a healthy relationship. And because we were both young parents, I wanted our kids to have the best experiences growing up, like traveling and like a lot of the things that I wanted to give our children. And so together we came to an agreement that like, Danielle wants to become an entrepreneur someday. Maybe I do too. I want our relationship to be thriving. I don't want to be worried on the weekends about taking our kids on adventures. I want to help fund their college or their dreams. Like we just had this vision. And so finally, when we were tired of arguing about money or saying, Oh, we can't go do this. Like we were just going to buckle down. So I'm a nerd and I asked my dad for the financial piece for Christmas. And so he was like, That's really what you want for Christmas? And I said, Yes. So we actually, a lot of people have mixed feelings about Dave Ramsey, but we actually did use that program and it worked. (laughs) So it works clearly. Yeah. Yeah. So we got out of debt, but then we had to go through, we can get there eventually. But once we became debt free, which I would love to share you as much as you want to dive into that. Yeah, for sure. And what some of the things that we did and how we involved our kids and it was really fun, but then we had to figure out how to master our money, like as entrepreneurs. And that was a whole nother, a whole nother. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that you say that because mastering your money as an entrepreneur is so much different uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because you have to be so much more prepared for the ups and downs and you don't have this consistent flow all the time. And then how to create a consistent flow is is a whole nother, a whole nother thing. Yeah. So I, I think definitely, yes, knowing about your money journey and becoming debt-free, I think that's ultimately so many of our dreams. Mm-hmm. When we say, I want freedom, yeah. like that's one of those key equa- equated items is being debt-free to be able to make more choices.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So as you became debt-free, We'll kind of skip to the end and then come back. Okay. How were you able to make different choices in your life and in your business?
1: Okay. So we became debt-free in July of 2019. So shortly after that was the pandemic, right? Like, and so that was actually like, I can't, I, there's no way, honestly, financially that I think we would have been where we are now and still debt-free if we wouldn't have, like I told you, my income stopped. So that was like almost like a, for me, a higher power movement because I don't know how I would have been able to homeschool or, you know, like do any of the things yeah. that we did or get the time that I got with my family if it wasn't that way. But now I can invest in my business and my education and the way that I continue to grow as a leader a lot more. It's a lot more accessible because I'm not using that revenue necessarily to have to pay bills right i don't have a lot of debt in my business so my bottom lines are a lot smaller so the revenue that i do make goes back to my family or goes back to me to me and my business but it allowed me to make that transition of working in this job to being in control of my time so we take long weekends we go camping with our kids we take them on adventures i travel for my business right and so i get to go for and take my husband you know to costa rica and get to yeah like just do a lot mm-hmm. of things that we never, we would have never been able to do at this stage with our teenagers if we would not have gotten that debt off of us. I want to say that just consumer-wise, it was like over $21,000 in debt, not including like mortgages or cars, or that was just like credit cards, right? Of just like mindless spending that every month was just looming over us. And there was some IRS debt that was associated with that. And that's like, you you got to There's no way to get out from underneath it unless you get another loan. Like it's just, you can't beat it. Yeah. And so it's like everything that you're pouring into it every month was literally eaten up by interest. And so it was just like, you had to get, we had to get super aggressive and we had to be, I mean, our, we lost friends going through it because we couldn't go out and spend money. We couldn't go out and eat. And it was a three-year journey where I really didn't think that we would ever get there. We had moments where we were just like, should we just go and like do this? And like, you know, should we just go spend the money? Should we just go take the kids? So it was a, there was a lot of mindset work there Mm -hmm. and commitment and emotions that came up. Like it wasn't easy. So like, we don't talk about that shitty moments where you're sitting around the table on Sunday night talking about the money and it's like tense and you're, you're exhausted and everything that I did for two years, revenue wise, I never saw a cent because it all went to a debt. So it was, and same for him. You, like he was you would do it all over again, right? We would, yeah. It's just, yeah. sometimes it's that temporary discomfort that we let get in the way. Yeah. And now that I'm on the other side of it, I just want people to see that, like, I didn't think it was possible. Like <laughs> for so long, I didn't see a lot of it chipping away. And our story at the end, our last payment, I'll share this and I might be jumping ahead, but you said start at the end is- yeah. We went into Tinker, it's a local bank here, and it was where our last loan was. And we wrote our final check and we took each of our kids in and they gave the last dollar piece for each of them. And people at the bank had no idea what we were doing. And so we had like the debt loan payment, like taped in our bedroom against the outlet. So we would leave in the day. So every time we'd make a payment, I would tape the next one up so we could see what the bottom line was as we would leave each day just for motivation yeah. And we dipped that in there and she circled zero dollars owed and each of like our kids gave that last $1 a piece and they had all been a part of this with us. And we yeah. just started crying like in the lobby, people thought we were so weird. And so Preston like takes us out the front door and all, all of us and our kids are just hugging each other awkwardly in the parking lot. And I remember looking at him and being like, I never thought that this day would come. Which I don't, it doesn't sound positive, but in reality, I really didn't know. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, like, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. No,
0: it's, it's good to hear that because I think so many of us, we doubt ourselves, but we don't always talk about how we doubt ourselves. Right. How, you know, I tell people, I'm like, even when you are close to making your, your first million in your business. Probably the full five days before that you're doubting yourself and then you're doubting if you can do it again. And like all this doubt comes up and to know that that's normal. So that when you hear that voice, it's going, this is normal. This is not something abnormal. And this, this is okay for me to feel this way.
1: Well, and I think like when you're on your journey, like even for us, it would be like something always came up. You know, you'd be like finally getting ahead and then like an appliance would break or your car would break down or, you know what I mean? And so like, then you were like, are you serious? Like everything that I worked for this week is now like not happening. And so I feel like that, that was one of the things where we kept, we'd get closer and then it would feel further away and then we'd get closer and then it felt, you know, so it was, it was a journey for sure.
0: Yeah. So how do you think your money management habits have changed since all of that?
1: Well, we both got clear on what we valued and accepted that it was different and that it wasn't wrong because I would so much judge him or resent him at certain times because he was very materialistic and I was not. And I felt like, because what he valued was different than me, that there was something wrong. And it wasn't, it was just that, we all find fulfillment and happiness and joy in different ways. And so we had to come together and say, Hey, like he values, like he's a hunter. So he likes experiences, like going hunting with his friends or taking guided tours or, you know, buying ammo or like different things that I'm just like, this is so pointless. Like, you're just going to shoot it. Then it's gone. It's like wasted money. Right. And so I had to accept like, no, like that is what he values. And that makes him happy. And so we had to set aside designated money each month, where we each have we call it wifey and hubby fund or whatever like where we take money out every single week and it's cash and it's not accounted for to each other. So like if he wants to go out and buy things, he can. And we've budgeted for that, and it takes away that like awkward when you go out, you know, browsing after dinner, and he's like, "Oh, I really like to have that," and you're like, "Well, do we have it in our budget?" And you're talking about weird things, and it causes stress. So we just we have that separately. I literally have cash from Christmas still in my purse that I have not spent. And it's not because it's not because I don't necessarily like I have a problem spending money. It's just that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be going on this trip. And I have this conference coming up and I love to buy Mm -hmm. a new outfit to wear. So I feel good on stage or, you know, like we just value different Mm -hmm. things. And so I'm kind of like one that likes to hold on to it to, till I'm really like, Oh yes, this is what I want to spend it on. And he's a little bit more like, he, it comes and goes as quick as he gets it. <laughs> so we're just different. And so accepting that was different. We, and we also meet consistently on what we have coming up with the kids. Like so-and-so has a banquet. She needs a dress. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Nationals is coming up for softball. We need to fund it. Like we just talk about those things and prepare for it. And we also save money every single week for things like Christmas, car maintenance, those things that we learn during the debt-free journey, we still implement today because Christmas comes every year. Birthdays come every year. car maintenance oh. comes consistently. Like the things that would always really stress us out or overwhelm us, like we just prepare for that so that it's not so shocking mm-hmm. to our bank account because we still don't make like insane money. We're not, we're not debt-free and wealthy. Like, you know, we're, we're debt-free and happy and we make great revenue, but we're not like living in a a life that you would think. Oh, they're debt free and they have it. I drive a 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. You know, like we don't.
0: Well, and I, and I think that's so important too because we do see a lot of people showing up online and they're like, Oh, I'm doing so great in my business, yep. but really what has happened is they've rented an Airbnb for the weekend and they're making it look like they live in this multi million dollar mm-hmm. house or. They're living beyond their means because that's what we're taught is so important in the U S is to have this luxury, luxury, and luxury can mean lots of different things for different people.
1: Yeah. My husband always calls it house broke, but the issue Mm -hmm. too, is that like, they may value that. And that's where you have to be careful because to them, like living this dream house, and I'm not saying I wouldn't want to have it. I live in a 2300 square foot manufactured house. It will be sold off of our property when our kids are grown um, and we will build like a small house back here. But I live on acreage where I have trails and I can hike and I don't have to worry about cars and I have a live stream for you. Yeah. And I have to drive two hours to go to the city round trip, you know, like, but that is something different that I value. You would never catch me living in a neighborhood where my neighbors are literally on the other side of my window. Like, it's just not, but it doesn't make it wrong for someone right. else. But our kids do have a hard time. Like, my daughter goes to private school. That is something that was important to me to fund after we got out of debt. I wanted that for her. Some people be like, that's insane. My husband was like, that's insane. We're not paying For someone to go to, you know, like school's free, you know, and so we had to come to an agreement of what each other valued. And so like when I drop her off at school, they're all in brand new cars. And Leah's like, oh, they're so rich. Like so-and-so is rich because they live in this big house. And so we have to have conversations with our teenagers. Like, well, what does rich mean to you? Yes. (laughs) And for me, rich means taking off to take my kid on her trips, to be at her dentist appointment yesterday, to taking care of my dad when he was sick, to, like just being able to say, hey, I'm canceling today. My daughter needs me and that's it. Like that is rich to me, yep. but it's different to everyone else. And
0: it can be, yeah. For some people, luxury is being able to go to the spa a few times a month, right. or it might be, yes, being able to be in nature, being able to have amazing house or have an amazing car. All of these things are relative. And I think that's so important to point out because- For some people, they're like, oh my gosh, like, I haven't gotten there yet. I just haven't arrived yet. And you can always have goals to strive for, but really ultimately it does. It takes to sit down and really look at your values and have that conversation with your partner too, because you want to make sure that you do have some common values as well as recognize values that are different. Mm -hmm. The next question, how did... Going through all of this not spending and all of this restriction during this time in your life impact your business and how you showed up in your business? Did it have any effect as far as pushing you to make more money or maybe it was
1: hard on the energy levels? Like what did that look like? Okay. So I want to make sure I answer this the right way. So you're saying, like, because during during that period of three years when we were going through the debt free and running the business, right? Like that part of Okay. Yeah. So well, it taught me to learn and be self educated, which I think now I am a strategist and I know how to run the ins and outs of a business and I know what works and what doesn't because I was the one that had to learn it because I didn't have someone to build my website. Now do I build clients' websites? No. Can I? Yes. <laughs> do do oh. I? No. <laughs> but like I have literally been that solopreneur. Like I had to learn what SEO was. I had to learn how to write invoices, set up CRMs, business strategy. I had to run all of my social media. I had to do all my one-on-one marketing. I had to learn how to train and to outsource and delegate efficiently. I had to learn how to keep my costs at a minimum and to budget for my business. Because every cent that I was putting into my business, I was taking from our journey. So I had to be really strategic. Did I make all the right decisions? No, I did burn out. It was hard. I was sick from working so hard. So, but now where I'm at today, I use a lot of what I learned about having to be a solopreneur, not really having that choice to use now to help my clients. And I also can relate to where they're at because so many of them they are in debt to their business and into their life. So that's giving them even less room to be able to bring on an assistant. Like now I have two assistants that work with me, but it, it is, it, it was a lot of years, seven years later, <laughs> right. That I am now able to employ other people or contract, employ other people to help me in my business. But I think that's, I think also it makes me be really strategic in what I do invest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I still, I practice what I preach. So I do have mentors. I do have coaches. I do go to conferences and learn and mastermind with other women. And, but I'm very smart in not just saying yes, because the flashy, I have a post up, actually, I recently did this and it said, are you a broke business owner? And I was like, I, I had been that, like, it looks on the outside that, and I have a lot of clients that come to me and I'm like, Oh, she has this great business and like, you should see her social media and her website. And then I go in and there is no money. She is not paying herself and she's struggling. And that's why she's sitting on the other side of my table because she needs help getting Mm -hmm. in control of her money. So just, yeah, that comparison game is, I feel like I'm going down a rabbit hole now, but no, I think you hit such a key point right there.
0: I talked to so many women business owners, particularly that are broke business owners, Mm -hmm. that they are stuck and they have already drained their 401k from when they had a full-time job to pay for coaches and training. And they've gotten themselves to the level where they look wildly successful on the outside. Right. Yeah. But when the cameras are off, they're crying because they are feeling like such a failure, even though they look so successful, even though they are helping people and inspiring people, they are not making any money in their business. And no, a and lot they, of, that- they're,
1: sorry, they're investing in coaches, which is hard because I am a coach. So I don't want to tell people not to invest, but like to, to fix things that are surface level a lot of times. And that's where I think that, the mindset aspect of your business is so important because people are trying to mirror what another person on the other side of the screen is doing. And that's the lifestyle that they're craving, but they're not doing any of this work on the back end, And so they're just falling into comparison and they don't have the tools to master when they're feeling overwhelmed or they're depressed or they're frustrated. And that energy is really important in your business. And that's the part people put on the back burner because it's not tangible, right? (laughs) Like, yeah. Well, and
0: I think that, and I surface level, I completely agree. You know, we are trying to mimic and, and that is what exactly is being shown as success. The surface level is only showing success because they haven't done that deeper work. I was in a meeting this past week and we were talking about being strategic with what you invest in as far as networking groups. Yes. One lady, she was like, I've joined so many and I don't know how to balance them all. And it's like, well, when you decided to invest money into a group, did you sit down and say, what do I want to get out of this group? What's my re- going to be my return on investment? Or did you just throw money at something and expect it just to fix problems? Um, and that's so many of us is we're just like, well, if I just throw some money at it, It'll remedy something for me, but that's not always the case. It's being intentional and being strategic. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. It's funny that you use that word. That's what my word in twenty eighteen was intention. So my retreat is branded as a life of intention, and so yeah, that in my space where I meditate and I do my energy work is my intentional space, and that's what people I share on social media, and people have really like the practice that people have learned from me is like that work that you do and. You're not with clients, and behind the closed door is the work that allows you to sustain in your business in the long run,
0: yeah. and I think it's it's similar to when we start talking about like manifestation and and things of that. It's always you know it's eighty percent mindset, twenty percent action. and going, how are we applying that even to our business? like eighty percent strategy and planning and opening up and doing the mindset and getting in alignment with what we're going to create so that that 20% really is effective rather than just throwing paint at the wall and going what sticks
1: yeah and that's kind of where I question like I think that's kind of my zone of genius that I like feel so many times we have people telling us what we need to do but they're not really asking, you're not being asked the question. So like my clients will pop in my mastermind client specifically just asked me this week. She's like, Hey, so I invested in these Google ads and like, I'm getting leads from it. And, but then these people that are getting on these applications are saying like, Oh, well, my budget's only 700 and you charge 900. Like maybe I should, she's like, should I lower my pricing? Like maybe it's telling me something. And then I was able to just like, listen to her vent. And then I was able to ask questions like, why do you feel you should lower your prices? Okay. And then like digging deeper into asking her those questions and it's, are they your ideal client? Well, I don't really know. They just came from Google. Okay, great, great. So what does that tell you? Like, what, what is that? Do you feel good at only charging this price? Like, why did you charge this price? And like getting cl- cl- like clearer to them, usually having the answers inside of them, but when we're entrepreneurs or solopreneurs specifically, we don't have people that have our best interests in mind asking us the right questions. Um, and I think you can do a lot of that in journaling, even with yourself. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that reveals a lot. I'll be like, so what's making you happy right now? So if people read my journals, they probably be like weirdo, but really like just being even asking yourself the right questions and not just going with this like, oh I had this idea. Whoop, figure it out later. Like then next thing you know, you're in a rabbit hole of spending, bad decisions, overwhelm, distraction. That shiny object syndrome can be really, really hard in any journey that you're going through.
0: It is. And I love that. Like I have gotten through so many years coaching myself. I literally will sit myself down and I will close my eyes and pretend like I am this person sitting across from the table. And if I was the coach, what would I ask that person? And how would they respond? It's kind of like playing chess against yourself. Yeah, You really have to ask those questions and allow yourself to journal them out because just saying them, puts it in the moment and makes you feel a little better Then, being able to go back and keep utilizing what you wrote down as an anchor is very similar to creating a business plan, right? Like you need to be able to come back to it in those moments of doubt or, or flurry. Like when you're just like, I don't know what's going on and come back and reference that. I think that's, that's so beautiful. And asking five whys is what I always come back to. You want something? Why? Okay. And I, and just keep diving deeper.
1: I love that. Yeah. I think that social media can be a gift and it can be overwhelming because we do see someone doing it. And like I said, at the beginning, well, oh, I can do that. I can't build websites, but should I, why would I build websites? Like it's, it's one of those things where like, yeah, I have a lot of people who come off like my retreats and they are like, Oh, I'm going to plan a retreat. But why? Because it's it's a, it is a labor of love, <laughs> okay? Like it is not like it oh is. Shit. right, like it's. And I learned that going into wedding planning. Oh, I could just be a wedding planner, you know? Like I planned a wedding. Why not? Always but then more. it was so much more. Yeah, I ended up getting certified diving diving into education, surrounding myself with elite planners. Like I've, there was so much more. And if you're going to commit to something, like sometimes it looks like a snap of a finger because you're only seeing that highlight reel when you're not really seeing what goes on in the back end and it's a lot of work. And is it really aligned with your values where you're going and why you want to do it?
0: Was there at any point that you wanted to give up that you were like, I am done with this. I just want to go back to the nine to five. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> they were. To- and I feel like that's weird saying it because I was like, oh yeah, my why was because my sister passed away and life is short and I want to be with my kids and now I'm with my kids. So then why would I then want to give that up? and go back. So it seems like, okay, Danielle, that's weird, but no, because behind the scenes, what the work you have to put in as an entrepreneur, it isn't like, oh, it's so cool. I would love to just like yesterday, I took all of these women to the zoo. It was a mom's day out. We literally ditched everything and we made t-shirts like little kids. And we went to the zoo together and I want to cultivate more fun and, and freedom in yeah. my, my friend's lives, women's lives. And so I was like, you know what? My teenagers think they're too cool to go to the zoo for spring break. I was like, we're going to the zoo as moms. We're not worrying about strollers or food or potty breaks. Like we are just going. And people have said, oh my God, I wish I could just like go to the zoo and all these things. And I'm like, but do yes. But the last seven years of intentional work, sweat, investing, believing in myself, taking leaps of faith. Crashing and burning physically. That was my hardest thing is I literally forgot to eat, didn't take care of myself, wasn't Mm -hmm. sleeping, like had a heart to heart moment with my doctor, like very real things where that part of it, you're not seeing. And there were times where like, Oh my gosh, I have a hundred dollars in my bank account. What am I going to do? Like, I've had those moments where I'm like, But I feel like I'm robbing my family because I could be working at that firm and have a regular paycheck every single week and have health benefits. So yeah, it is moments where I do that. But then there's the moments where I look back where I'm sitting there in Costa Rica with 20 women who tell me their lives are changed forever, have built relationships that are going to transform their businesses. Like those moments, you have to take that intentional time to pause and be like, this is bigger than you. Like it is. And I think going back to your why, like you just said, it's bigger than me. I have these gifts and talents for a reason, and I've never not been able to feed my family. Some people really have had that situation, but in reality, I've it, it has always, I have always been okay. I have not always been an abundance of money and like just partying and traveling and just going to Costa Rica without a worry in the world. Like I still, even in this season have moments where I'm like, Hey, it's been like three months and like crickets, like nothing's working, but then it's just trusting those daily habits of consistency when it doesn't feel like it, that I see that abundance flow in and that flow. And it does happen. It's like when the more fun I have, the more money I make, the more time I spend with Leah, the more money I make. And I just try to kind of embody that and I have been taken care of, I have. And that's again, going back to what has history taught me. Like I have really never been without, like even when we were in debt, we had food because we had access to that debt, you know, like to that revenue or that capital mm-hmm. to be able to use. So I don't know, I just, until the bottom falls out, I'm here for it. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. rolling out it.
0: But I think it's, I think it's so beautiful that you mentioned when you are having more fun, when you allow yourself and that's getting into that like abundant space, um, mm-hmm. that flow can happen more yet. Something always ends up happening and we trip when we fall back into this, like, Oh, I need to be more strategic and I need to get more into this. And we start to get into that cycle. Mm-hmm. And then we start to fall into this, like, oh my gosh, now I'm short on some money and and what happened? And I was just over on the other side. Like, how do I get back over there? And Letting people know that that does happen. Like we are human and that's, and that is what happens.
1: Well, and I think there is something to say about clarity and the strategy, because I am a strategist. So like, I have a client right now, she's launching her first subscription type box and it's a new revenue stream in her business. And she doesn't necessarily need the revenue. So I've, we've done we've had to work through some money stories there, but she's like, okay, I need a launch plan. I need a launch plan. So I literally have stickies here, like on this wall where we wrap like mapped out these email sequence type things that are going to go out as part of her launch. And over the last couple of weeks, as we're gearing up for this launch, I keep checking in with her, like. Hey, like you realize, like you've spent years building this community. People look at you they as a leader. They see how much value you bring for nothing. Like I don't, if it doesn't feel like a hell yes to write that email sequence, which was help me share the care about those one of the emails or whatever, then don't feel that you need to do it. Like I'm will I, I like having a roadmap, but I always tell myself it's not a rule book. So because mm-hmm. I know where I'm headed for the year, if I get to, to May 1st and I don't feel aligned with that in-person event that I'm going to host, I'm not going to launch it. I'm not going to put it out into the world. So I think there is a strategy mindset of knowing where you're headed, but also this intuitive side of you that has to say, is it still a hell yes, six months down the road? If it's not, then like you have to honor yourself and A lot of times we meet resistance, like you and I both writing a book, right? Like I promised myself, I wrote a letter to myself as my first part of my book that I would not write out of necessity or requirement. I would write out of inspiration and desire. So I don't have a hard deadline, which is weird as a strategist to say, I'm going to have my book done by this time. No, I'm going to lean into it when I feel creative and when that energy is there rather than forcing myself. Because I think that's the force and flow mindset uh-huh. for me is like, I don't want to meet resistance every time I show up to my computer. I don't want to meet resistance, like meeting with a client that I know isn't aligned with me. Like, I'm just one of those people now where I just don't have the space to force myself. So I think yeah. there's, I think that's great. Like that is such a key example of, cause so many of us,
0: we need to get into a creative space right, in order to create and when I say be strategic, there is strategy that's forced. And then there's strategy that is like, I'm creating a framework so that I'm, I stay in alignment with where I want to be yes. and allowing ourselves to get into creativity means like I have to set time on my calendar for me to drop into a creative space. Mm-hmm. And for me to go, I know that it's going to take me, even if I want to do an hour of writing, it's going to take me two hours because I need to spend an hour to get into creative flow and like Mm -hmm. tap into what I'm trying to create and then sit down and just let whatever come out, comes out. Mm -hmm. And to go, okay, I know that it's going to take me about 60 hours to write this book. Okay. That's 120 hours that I really need to set aside. And Know that there is, yeah. It's it's just a framework. It's just a roadmap. It's not something that I have to get stuck and attached to.
1: Yeah, and that's where I have I serve a lot of creatives, and especially coming out of the industry of weddings and like I think I just have like the audience of that, you know. Yeah. And it is hard because they're like, whoa, 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 I'm a creative. You're telling me to like create an ideal schedule. You're telling me to come up with like these, I have like themed days, like me Monday, where I just work on my business. Cause I'm always working on other people's businesses. Mm-hmm. But on that me Monday, if I don't feel like sitting down and writing a proposal or whatever, I'm not saying to be careless or thoughtless, but I'll say, you know what, today I need to go walk in nature. And I have that space to go do that. So I think there is a difference between <laughs> not like being so free spirited, you don't get anything done, but also yeah. like- Leaning into what you need in that moment and trusting your intuition. And that's that behind the scenes work that we need them, everyone, whoever's them in our audience, right? Them in our lives, you listening, right? Like needing to know how to honor you and doing that back-end work of energy and intuitiveness to be able to lean into that. And that's so weird for me to say, looking at who I was seven years ago to like who I am now, because- used to tell me like, what is your gut telling you? And I'd be like, I don't know. Like, and now I'm really like, You're, that's a good question. I think I'm going to lean into that. And I give myself space to really see why I'm feeling that way. And sometimes the things I want to do are because I am falling into comparison. I am falling into like, she's been in this journey as long as I have. How is she on a yacht? And, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like our minds do tend to kind of go to that place and we have to check in with ourselves regularly.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I think one last question, okay. what do you think about this 10 X movement of thinking bigger? How, how does that play into, to what you do?
1: So like the dreaming bigger than where I am yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. So I give myself permission to dream for sure. I, I see a lot of those like 10 X conferences and like the 10 X, like I've seen a lot of that. I also just recently read the, oh gosh. Power of One More by Ed Milet, which can be very masculine compared to a lot of the people that I read and the way that he approaches time and like things like that are really hard for me. And so I I give myself permission to dream, but I also give myself permission to be present in the moment and trust that one of my favorite, I am a woman of faith. So one of my favorite scriptures is like, do not worry about tomorrow for today has enough worry in itself, which sounds like it's negative, but it's true is true. You can't get so lost in this 10 X dream that you're missing out in the now. And I think that was the gift that came from losing Morgan was, and again, I don't talk about this very often. So today I just felt called to share about her, but is that you aren't always promised tomorrow. So I think I try to live in the presence. Like I'll, I'll make myself intentionally pause and try to like soak in this moment. Do you ever, I don't know if you ever do that. Like Yeah, for, for sure. Three, We took our kids to like a little amusement park. And I remember sitting in a minute, like in a minute, just in my head and being like, I am so grateful for this present moment that all three of my children are together, that they're happy, that they're healthy, that my dad's here, that my husband's here, the sun is shining. And like, it's going on in my own head. It's not even anything that I'm voicing, but just taking a second to soak it in because I feel like I lived in a state so long that it was like, until I'm debt-free, when I'm debt-free, when I'll be and now it's like, well, when my kids are graduated, when I, and I don't think it's wrong to dream of a bigger vision. Like I said, I'm going to sell this house and I'm going to build a house on this property. And I have this vision, but I'm not so lost in being grateful for like these walls that are surrounding our kids now in this home that's holding space. I don't know. So yeah, I, I call that the, I call that the sacred pause. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't done that very long. I found myself. I think it was the first trip I took to Costa Rica. I think I'm also going to, de- I definitely think I'm going to own land in Costa Rica.
0: <laughs> that's such an extreme. Your own t- your your own retreat center or something. I don't
1: know. I just, you know, like when you find a place that just feels like home, like that's mm-hmm. how I feel on this property. I grew up here since I was nine and I've thought of letting it go. And I'm like, you just have certain places where you can just feel like you're most connected to yourself. Yeah. And I'm good with dreaming big. I'm just not going to get lost in it. I'm going to still spend money now that I can with my kids and make family and memories. But I'm also going to plan ahead because I think there is an important part of strategy there and it's setting yourself up for success and worst case scenario. Okay. Because I always think that way and and I pass away that I'm leaving that money to my kids. So I just don't think be right. Don't be reckless, but also live your life now and don't get so lost in it. Short term sacrifice makes sense, but I can't tell you that I still didn't make memories with my kids during that debt-free journey. I did. They were just hiking free things, going to the park, playing board games. Like it was things that didn't necessarily mean that we're going to an amusement park. Like we did last week for spring break. It just looked different. So I didn't lose our life and our happiness. We just had to redefine what that looked like in that season. Mm.
0: I like that. So in summary, I, I definitely heard you say a lot of the negative was associated associated with mindlessness. Okay. And a lot of what you enjoyed in this journey has been the mindful moments, the intentional moments, and it had nothing really to do with the sacrifice or the push. It was really more of being in this space of intentional and fun Versus being in this, this grind in this just chaotic state,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: allowing yourself to choose what energy that you want to be in and what type of life you want to create and and be in it rather than being on the surface level or the outside and you trying to, trying to herd cats. We want to really be in it and be functioning from the inside out.
1: Yes. Absolutely. And you just keep using the word intention and that's like my jam. So yeah. I love I it. All about int- intentional action. You
0: know, really the root word of strategy is intention.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. That was so good. So good. Thank you for having me. And I hope that I added some value today.
0: You definitely did. There's so much value in in listening to our to our stories and hearing other people's stories and being able to relate and pick up little, little wise droppings along the way. Like I, I wrote down so many little things that I love and I think so many people are going to love to hear.
1: Oh, good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Magnified Abundance. We hope that you found inspiration and valuable insights from our guests' journeys towards success and their mindset shifts. Remember, cultivating an abundant mindset is a continuous journey. So apply the lessons that you've learned here today in your own life and business and embrace the power of growth and abundance. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to Magnified Abundance on your favorite podcast platform so that you'll never miss an empowering conversation. And don't forget to leave us a review, share the podcast with a fellow professional entrepreneur or someone who you think can benefit from magnifying their abundance. And then stay connected with us on social media, where we share additional resources, quotes, and updates to keep you motivated on your path to success. You can find us on Instagram at Magnified Abundance. Thank you. Thank you once again for listening to Magnified Abundance. And remember, when you embrace an abundant mindset, possibilities become limitless. Keep magnifying your abundance and watch your success soar. Until next time, stay motivated. Stay focused, stay abundant.